Oh, Dad. Oh, dear. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he, he, he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down on yeah. basic glasses. About the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went come over here for a minute and turned into plastic. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Zoning Out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. John Sachs. Frank Bonacci. It's Durant. Robert G. Durant. And Judd. We're here today to discuss... The Twilight Zone, Season 2, Episode 5, The Howling Man, with an air date of November 4th, 1960. Seeking refuge from a storm, a traveler comes upon a bizarre abbey of monks who have imprisoned a man who begs for his help. When he confronts the head monk, he is told that the man is the devil, and he must decide whom to believe. This is a classic, gentlemen. What do we think of it? This season hasn't been off to the greatest start, and... Right after we finished recording uh, last week's, I said, let me see what's next week's. And I, I, I don't know why I had no idea we were hitting like such a rich vein of holy shit, great episodes. Like the yeah. next four episodes, easy, are very notable, including this one. Like I was like, oh boy, like I had because I you know it's funny about this whole thing. It's like, you know, we've all watched Twilight Zone for years. I don't know like what see episode like what episode like where it falls in and what, what season any episodes in i really yeah, don't you should just a mishmash frank i don't even know how i, I didn't know this what you looked like until just now <laughs> i'm a pirate with perfect with green lips <laughs> i got a pie patch over my glasses <laughs> yeah we're in a it's an embarrassment of riches right now with the screen and the <laughs> and the upcoming episodes <laughs> we're all doing we're recording this on zoom and we're all having fun with filters. I'm a pirate with green lips. Chris is on TV in PB's Playhouse. John is uh, in a dentist's office, I think in a waiting room, <laughs> but also on a beach. And Judd is he's in still his house. His house. It's crazy. I, have no, I have no filters for some reason. I don't know how to do things. <laughs> we have good times here. Dude, this like, I, I don't even know where to begin with this episode. There's like so much to talk about with it. I know where to begin. Now you're a big fan. Like this is like one of your top. I love this episode. I used to, I remember this episode, seeing this episode as a kid and being totally enamored by it. As I watch it now, I still love it. I don't think it's as great as I did when I was younger and I watched it. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of easy fixes that they kind of just, yeah, they kind of just, you know, there's things like what's the maid doing there? Why are you leaving her in the house with the devil? But we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that at the end. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, the maid. <laughs> uh, and then all I could hear is Gilbert Godfrey pretending to be Dracula. Earth, your legs open. <laughs> I want you to spread your legs open now. <laughs> And give me your kluge creatures of the night. <laughs> well, speaking of Dracula, like, well, I, I guess we should get into it. Yeah, uh, let's go. Oh, wait, look, before we wait, hold on. Sorry, John, this is your first time watching it. Yes. Oh, OK. Interesting. I just wanted to know that. Judd, how about you? First time. First OK. Oh, OK. Okie dokie. So it starts with my favorite thing, a sweaty, agitated man. I know it's it's an incredible story. I I have all people know this. And you won't believe me, no, not at first. But I'm gonna tell you the whole thing. Then you will believe because you must. 
you must believe. And this time he's talking into the camera. It looked like he's breaking the fourth wall. Then we flash back. He's and he's explaining what happened to him while on a walking trip. Yeah, well, Central that, Europe. that was one thing I said. I got lost with my group on the walking walking trip in the storm. It happened many years ago after the First World War. I was on a walking trip through Central Europe. But one night I one night. I got lost in a storm. Is that like old person, old timey? I don't know. For backpacking? I guess. I don't know. I don't know how many walking trips through. That place looked a little secluded. Like usually most of the time, like if you're going on like Barillo tours, they're taking you through like (laughs) the the nice, (laughs) you know. I'm Mario Perillo, Mr. Italy. I've dedicated 40 years of my life creating dream vacations to Italy at fantastic discounts. From the Alps to Sicily, Perillo takes care of everything. First class hotels, meals, sightseeing, your own guide, everything. And one low price covers all, including airfare. Well, you I don't think Perillo was set up in the 20s. Well, you know, I'm the, the Perillo <laughs> equivalent, I'd imagine, because he was an American, so he was abroad in the yes. 20s. So unless he's over there fighting, Generally, don't find them in the off into the off the onto the back roads, like wa- especially a walking tour. I'm on a walking tour where, through the Carpathian Mountains. I don't know where you book that. <laughs> Call toll free one eight hundred two five 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 thousand right now. Grazie. Hmm, Central Europe. He, I like to was, a walking tour. How do, what are your prices for walking tours? <laughs> he wasn't taking no for an answer though. So yeah, so yeah, he uh, he knocks on this beautiful Gothic like monastery. Or hermitage, as they keep referring to it, which is a strange word because a hermit means to be. It's just like a collection of hermits. Isn't that like an oxymoron? Yeah. Usually you're alone when you're a hermit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Me and all these other hermits. What's the deal with grape nuts? No, grapes <laughs> don't nuts. That was very uh, <laughs> observational humor. right? <laughs> <laughs> What's with all these hermits? Who are the odd wizards who came up with this one? That is right. Why are they all in this castle? <laughs> Why, if you're hermits, do you congregate? Who are these people? <laughs> Why are do they? Hermits? <laughs> Why are they watching the devil? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a stick. Can't you move the stick? <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is David Ellington, and he's played by H.M. Winant. Great character actor. I want to, I'll say more about him after. Uh, he knocks on the door, and he's met by an Amish-looking fella with a, a big staff. He's like. <laughs> Please, please let me in. I'm lost. I'm sorry we don't allow visitors into Hermitage. No, oh, I'm, I'm not a visitor. I'm, I'm a stranger here. I'm, I'm lost. He's like swordfish, and the guy's like, no, that's not the password. Good night. No, he didn't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Be more funny. Ooh, it's hot in here. <laughs> hey, it's uh, so hot in here. Uh, hey. Uh, hey. <laughs> Hey, the guy's like, get out of here. He's just like, he's like, listen, I got separated from my walking tour. Barillo <laughs> is getting, is getting, a getting zero wild star on Yelp. I'm Mario Perillo, Mr. Italy. They're getting wild now. <laughs> used to be through Tuscany. Now we're in. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> and he's just like, hold on. I'm going to get your brother, Jerome. And brother Jerome is played by John Carradine. And I, I, I want to get into like, dude, if I start talking about Carradine now, like I just want to get through like the premise. Lineage, he's like, the Carradine lineage. Is he? Yes, he is. Oh, that's wow. Okay. That's their dad. That's David Carradine's dad. Oh, what really? Yeah. David that's Carradine awesome. and Robert Carradine. Uh, Isn't that weird? They're brothers. Yeah. Like yeah. Lewis from Revenge Lewis. of the Nerds and, and, and Bill uh, from Kill Bill. Yeah, the beta. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to get through this without bringing up David Carradine's. 
<laughs> untimely. Untimely death. And untimely. Kind of hilarious death. <laughs> Oh, no. I love David Carradine. Me too. Not as much Death as he loves himself, though. <laughs> Not as much as he loved autoerotic association. <laughs> <laughs> now get that light bulb up there. I want to suck. <laughs> Give me your kloogie. We're never going to get through this. <laughs> He's just like, I, I just, I was going out hunting for kloogies <laughs> and I got separated from my kloogie From my tour group. Oh. And I have made it to your castle. Now let me in. <laughs> I want your kloogie. So he's like, you got to get out of here. I'm sorry. There's no room here. What do you want from us? Uh, shelter, maybe some food. We cannot help you. You will have to leave. Now, Mr. Ellington. He's like, okay, I'll leave. And he passes out. Yeah, well, there was a lot more to it. He not he banged on that belligerently banged on the door and wasn't taking. They were like, "No, you can't come in. I'm coming in. All right, come in." And then they brought him <laughs> to this other guy. They're like, "You got to talk to the man in charge. You can't stay here." All right, and then he falls down. <laughs> the prostrate form of Mr. David Ellington, scholar, seeker of truth, and regrettably finder of truth. A man who will shortly arise from his exhaustion to confront a problem that has tormented mankind since the beginning of time. A man who knocked on a door seeking sanctuary and found instead the outer edges of the Twilight Zone. That's the order of events. <laughs> and then he said, I want to come in <laughs> and I shall have your clunky. <laughs> he wakes up and he hears Uncle Chi Chi. Oh. <laughs> Did he used to howl, Uncle Chi Chi? <laughs> what? I remember. I distinctly remember Uncle Chi Chi howling. I don't remember that. Oh, I remember him going, "Oh, or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> we mentioned Uncle Chi Chi on the yes, show. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Jesus re- laugh out of this. He's, he's a recurring character. Oh Wait, I don't think I remember Uncle Chi Chi. No, Uncle Chi Chi was my grandfather's brother. And, you know, it's odd. He's an odd man. <laughs> I could have swore I remember him howling. And James going, shut up. up there. He's <laughs> like Uncle Fester at the beginning of his family values. Oh. Oh. He's like, what the? Is a, it seems to be a howling coming from this. this Did hurricane. anyone hear that? And no, it was no. the wind. <laughs> it was the wind. So he goes and sees that there's a, there's a man just locked in a cell. And he's like, help me. No, please. In the name of mercy, help me. You're not one of them. No. My name's Ellington. I'm an American. And he tells him this story that him and his girlfriend for, you know, without smooching. Without smooching. I was walking in the street with my woman. We paused to rest by a tree and we kissed is it wrong to kiss tell me not wrong with that right (laughs) he was really he was really (laughs) quick to defend himself (laughs) nothing wrong with that (laughs) so he's seen talking to the prisoner and then he goes to brother jerome he's like i'm just going to talk to these these reasonable hermits with sticks i'm sure they're reasonable i'll speak to jerome no He's the greatest maniac of them all. So he goes and talks to Brother Jerome. Why in such a hurry for me to leave? What are you afraid I'll find out? It's the man you have locked up in the cell, isn't it, Brother? Well, that isn't a secret anymore. I know about him. 
What man is this, Mr. Ellington? There's a man howling. He's like, we don't have a bard here. <laughs> You're mistaken. You're mistaken. There's no man. And he's playing that game with them until he reveals, I'm not lying. There is no man. That guy in the cell, that's the devil. What you saw is not a man. It is the devil himself. David is like, what? So they start having a discussion. He's just like, I don't look, I know I look like some weird old bumpkin, but you know, I went to good schools and stuff. Oh, I coped with your world for 40 years. Rather successfully at that. The best schools, a degree in philosophy, a job that took me to the ends of the earth. He's like, I was a smart man, but then I came here and everybody was nice. And then that creep, the devil showed up. This village was a plum to Satan, one he could not resist. So he came here. And embarked upon a program of corruption. But you stopped. Yes. I found him and I locked him up. He's like, I know I sound crazy because he's he sounds very crazy and belligerent as he's telling the stories. And you know, David's just looking at him, going, "Okay, cool, yeah. man. <laughs> Ooh, okay, yeah, he's the devil. Sure, you must believe me. Give me your kluge. Quick detour about David John Carradine. Go. Have you checked out his IMDb? I have not. You know how many credits he has? I'm going to assume it's a lot. 354 credits. Holy shit. Over, dude, he worked after he was dead. They were releasing movies in 95, uh, a movie called Jacko. It's also Cameron Mitchell's last film where they were using footage of John Carradine. Like the guy just worked until he dropped dead. The guy's huh. in every, and if you go and look, you'll see him in everything. He's in Joe Dante's first film, The Howling. He's in a million, mm. he's in a million things. Oh, he oh. was in uh, Buried Alive? What's his name was that? Nice, like Ghostbusters, Walter Peck. Hmm. Yeah, he's like, he was in like, well, first he started out, he was Bela Lugosi's replacement as Dracula. I know this. <laughs> the blood is the life, Mr. Enfield. <laughs> he replaced him in like the later, like when they started doing Monster Mash movies, where there was just like the House of Dracula and House of Frankenstein, where there's just uh, like all the, all the universal monsters like started teaming up. Speaking of Monster Mash. Did you see that they took Frankenberry, Count Chocula, and all those and put them all into one cereal now? I did. I did, too. I, I don't know if uh, Count Chocula... probably might... not going to be good. No. It's probably going to be very bad. I can't eat those. I buy them every every Halloween, and they just sit, and then I throw them out. So now I know I got to go downstairs and throw out the old boxes because I got to buy new ones. Because I can't green. eat them. <clears throat> no, it gives me violent vomit. Really? Violent projectile out of my the, the sugar content and that if i eat a lot of sugar i get really nauseous so the sugar content and that must be almost astronomical oh it's insane i can't even begin to because it's literally the spoon as soon as it i have to try it though every time i say maybe this year will be different caramel yeah. apple cereal huh? i don't know yeah, about that i might have to give it a little swing yeah you have to give it a swing oh, i'm it sick i know no what's it called it makes my poop purple that shit mm. <laughs> so anyway <laughs> The guy, he's just like, okay, I'm, I'm cool, man. Everything's cool. I believe you. I believe you, brother. Do you truly? Yes. Well, I admit I was doubtful at first, but you've convinced me. Absolutely. I promise to keep your secret. I'm just going to go back and talk to that man. Yeah. And he's just like, he said you're the devil. He's like, oh, he would say that. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like him. <laughs> that does sound. He said you were the devil. The devil. That's good. That's wonderful. What a dream for an old devil to catch the devil and lock him up. It's like all oh, that brother Jerome. Oh. Now, it's my first time seeing this episode. I believed the prisoner. You would let him out? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I wouldn't have. Once I saw the stick, 
And it was the like stick a stick was like a big the stick like, was I a didn't big even sell. pay any attention to the stick whatsoever. Like at the very end, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah, he's like, why don't you yeah, reach okay, out okay. and just yeah, pull yeah, this yeah, up? Yeah. That that would have been weird to me as well. But before that, I was like, got this man locked up for no reason. These guys are nuts. Yeah, yeah. this guy because the guy he comes off unhinged. Like he comes off like an unhinged coconut person, and he's just like, I, he's just sneaking out with a trick. You know, you know how it is when you're trying to get one in. <laughs> it's not wrong to get one in. You know, rocking and rolling and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Jerome came up to me and says, You're a fake and a phony, and I wish I never laid that on you. <laughs> what happened to the Danny Zirko I met at the beach? Well, I do not know. I mean, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe there's two of us, right? <laughs> why, why, why don't you take out a missing persons ad or, or, or try the yellow pages? I don't know. <laughs> Remember the big rant I went on about keeping this show on topic? That's <laughs> <laughs> over. <laughs> We are. I could run. <laughs> Two episodes. Yeah, doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> so yeah, he goes and he gets locked into a bedroom with that other monk guy, and he's just like, "Hey, I'm just gonna watch you while you sleep. And it's all right. <laughs> it's cool. It's for your protection. You're sick." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. was wrong with them? It was just cold. Yeah, he just seemed like out of sorts from being, you know, you know, when you get separated from those walking trips. (laughs) (laughs) How long was he walking from? (laughs) He's like, I was in Spain this morning. (laughs) I had some very bad hashish. (laughs) He's a devil. That makes sense. I'm Jesus Christ. (laughs) Nowhere near Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to Berlin. Awesome. Berlin. Berlin. He takes the key off the guard, gets himself out, goes back to the guy. He's like, okay. He's like, I'm going to get you out of here. He's just like, yeah, just get rid of that that stick that's within my reach. That's just like <laughs> lightly blocking my... Does this hole that holds you in? Yes. Lift it off. Well, why haven't you done it yourself? Please. There's no time for talk. He's like, that stick is like, that's all that's keeping you in here. He's like, don't ask questions. It's not work. <laughs> don't worry about that. Now's not the time. Now's not it? the time. They're going to kill us both. But he, he moves him along so fast that he doesn't question it. Mm. Uh, you know, that was originally because uh, this was written by Charles Beaumont. He originally had it as a cross in the original short story. But the mm. networks are like, no, 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 no. Oh, really? They're like, no, 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 no. It's like, Bender, no, you'll make God cry. <laughs> so he lets him out and then he does some like he does some like you know uh, he does uh, some spellicus on his he back goes, yeah he goes he passes out as he's walking away he starts turning into the devil and he's the devil i like that that, that transition i like that transition today they would do it with cg but i liked him walking behind pillars behind the pillars yeah and like it's just a little bit different each each time like he goes past one yeah well, the the ass, that must have been the shoot. Oh, God. Like, they didn't even try to match the cuts at all. Because it's nah. just like, it's probably. See, that's the only thing I'd say. Like, if you could make that a little smoother in terms yeah. of the transitions. But ah, what are you going to fucking do? Still a neat effect. Yeah. And he's like, see you, suckers. Boom, boom. And yeah. then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> brother Jerome comes out. And he's like, "Give me your kluge." I feel sorry for you, man. He's like, "You're yeah. gonna remember this for the rest of your life." I'm sorry for you, my son. All your life, you will remember this night, and you'll know, Mr. Ellington, whom you have turned loose upon the world. I, I didn't believe you. I. I saw him and didn't recognize him. That is man's weakness and Satan's strength. Sap. Yeah, and you think someone who would be burdened to remember this for the rest of their life wouldn't leave the devil in the hands of his maid. 
His maid right. comes in. Well, like, maybe just don't her- listen. If I have the devil trap, you know what? I'm sorry, but you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe relieve her of her duties just in case she might open that door. Here's, uh, here's his severance and some references. Get the I'll fuck sweep. out. I'll make my lunch today. I decided to spend the rest of my life tracking him down to recapture the evil I'd released. The evil that soon took the shape of the Second World War, the Korean War, the hideous new weapons of war. I swore I'd find him again. His brother Jerome had done. It took many years, but I did it. See, I have him in there now. So you understand now. You understand why you must not, under any circumstances, go near that door. You see how important it is that he stay locked up. Good. I'm sending him back to Brother Jerome. He'll do a bit of howling, but uh, pay no attention to that. It's trick, I know. It goes back to present day, where he's telling the story where he was facing the camera, which is really fun because you think it's like he's breaking the fourth wall and telling you, and the camera pulls back and he's actually talking to his maid. He's like, I caught him finally. I'm going to go find Brother Jerome. Whatever you do, don't let that man screaming for his life out of that closet. (laughs) I'm going to leave you by yourself. Now, don't you open that door. It's like telling a kid, like, don't touch that. I'm going to turn around. Don't touch that. Ah. I do that to my one-year-old. She picks it up every every time. Don't touch the devil. (laughs) And she, of course, goes and there's the guy (laughs) going, Uncle Chi-Chi in a way. (laughs) Oh! uh, oh! I dress myself in cashmere! Woo! 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 And uh, she opens it, as Serling says. Ancient folks saying. You can catch the devil, but you can't hold him long. Ask Brother Jerome. Ask David Ellington. They know, and they'll go on knowing to the end of their days and beyond in the Twilight Zone. I, I think this is an excellent episode. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I, great. It must have been a real shocker in 1960. Oh, yeah. We were talking about before we saw recording. Like I watched, I remember watching this as a kid and being like, whoa. Yeah, it was wild. I love this episode. For some reason, for a very long time, I remembered him as being a werewolf, but he wasn't a werewolf at all. It's fun that Juddy was telling us about like how he was going through it, because it really does play with your like, who do I believe here? It's just like, and it's an episode ultimately about trust. Oh, there was an element too. He's just like, he caught it. This is takes place after the first world war. Mm. And it's implied that letting him loose uh, set off like, you know, yeah. World War Two, the Korean War. Yeah, I think uh, didn't Beaumont have it. something about that? Andy Dick. What? And didn't Beaumont have something about that where he became like a, I don't know, a Nazi or something? I think that was something with Beaumont's original story. Like that oh. was the ending of Beaumont's like original story. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know the original. Yeah. I think uh, in oh, Beaumont's like sto- original script. Yeah. You're right. Where uh, it was he the ending wasn't him. It wasn't the maid letting it out. It was him like flipping through a newspaper and then discovering that it really, you know, that this was the devil. Like he was on like the cover of a newspaper in like a Nazi uniform getting ready to like invade Poland or something. Mm. Hmm. Like a photograph of this Nazi commander. And it's like, oh, he's a he. Oh, he is a bad person. He keeps coming back to even in something as fantastical as this. It keeps coming back to World War Two, man. And that yeah. effect that it had on Serling and like, the, I guess the country. Yeah. Like it was them like articulating like the trauma of that whole conflict. It's like Godzilla. Like Godzilla was the way of Japan dealing with the aftermath of the atomic bomb through this like weird science fiction catharsis and like that's kind of like what this is it's just like trying to rationalize the horrors of the like of like world war ii of the atom bomb it's just like somebody must have let that devil out yeah kluge and now a word from our sponsors 
Speaking of uh, Godzilla, you see the trailer for... Uh... Yes. Oh, there's a new one? Oh, but it's like a new old one. I don't know how I feel about that because I felt what they did with the last Godzilla film, Shin Godzilla, was so fresh and so new and so yeah. and so brilliant. It's like it feels like I don't know unless they got some new hook that's interesting. It's just like I feel like we've been here before. It's just like I think like what Shin Godzilla did was just like this is so new that it's like oh we're going back to like oh the old old ways. Like, okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, let me get into like HM uh, Winant. HM Winant is still alive. He's ninety six, and how, how I know him best is like I, I didn't realize he was the star of this until like like relatively recently, a couple of years ago. Because to me, he was General Scottmanson and uh, Dr. Van Von Vandervon in Larry Blamire's films, Dark and Story Night and The Lost Skeleton Returns Again. I believe you know General Scottmanson. Aren't you General Scottmanson? Yes, that's what I mean. You work in that really big building, don't you? Yes, sir. I wondered what the heck that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoy a good joke, but time for laughing is over. I've had Larry Blamire on, on Scum of the Earth, and you know he's a filmmaker that I'm a huge fan of. I let him know I was doing, we were doing this episode. That's his boy. And I, I had no idea when I, like, I wrote Larry about it. I was like, thinking he was dead? He's like, no, he's not. He's actually working on his memoirs right now. Oh, my God. He's a guy who worked like from the 40s on till like relatively recently. He might still be work. The guy's a, just a consummate profession. He brought a lot of intensity to his role in this. That's H.M. Winant. And I don't know who anybody else is in this episode. <laughs> well, John Carradine, of course. We yeah. talked about him earlier. Hello, sidekick. So yes, he was Dracula until Dr- until Bella returned to the role in Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Well, John, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was, well, first of all, I wish you guys hadn't sent that text about we have some big ones coming. Because I think this one, because it's so different in style, mm. like I was I was kind of waiting for something instead of just kind of getting hit yeah. blind. Oh. I thought it was a fun, I thought it was really fun, but it didn't really feel like a Twilight Zone episode. So it's tough for me to even compare it because it really doesn't feel sci- science fiction-y to me. Granted, the episodes can be very different, but this one just felt more like, like a standalone episode. Now- like like this is one of those episodes for a lot of people though like that's interesting because you you're coming out of this completely blind Mm -hmm. like like me and chris like we've been indoctrinated very early with this episode and like i think it has a reputation as like one of the more well-known ones yeah i think it's one of those episodes i watched a lot like every like you know every time they did a marathon that's what this is one of the episodes they throw on Uh, i like it like it gets a lot of style points for me it's very it's so arch like there's it's i like it when twilight zone gets very dutch angly and very like gothic and expressionist and this was like in terms of style and in terms of the sets the sets were unusually because you know they've been very tight the sets this season so far and this was like a big expansive set and i really enjoyed that as- aspect of it no i agree i think that's it was fun it just had like a different energy a different style to it but it didn't really feel like a twilight zone episode to me really well it's funny we've been it's been a while since we've seen anything other than a serling episode it's beaumont so it, yeah it doesn't feel like the average twilight zone episode that we've seen in a while because beaumont every time he comes out he's very different and it's funny mm. like watching this show now i would never have thought about like who wrote what episode before and now it's like oh well even if you don't know who wrote it it's like this is definitely not serling when you go into it it's like mm-hmm. it just feels so different in terms of its right. style he has a very overheated style beaumont like this and uh perchance to dream they're very overheated everybody's always very tense and sweaty in his episodes this was based on a short story too it yeah. wasn't just the script yeah it was uh published mm. in a smut magazine called yeah, rogue rogue that's so funny like a lot of science fiction stories started out in smut a magazines. lot of yeah Ton- like i mean and not just like you know like you know like 
the Harlan Ellison and like, you know, like the big giants, like Arthur C. Clarke, a lot of those like stories, short stories was just published in smut magazines. Yeah. I mean, Stephen King made a career of uh, publishing short stories in magazines. Mm. And of course, Kilgore Trout uh, famously was uh, anybody get the reference now? Nobody ever Ooh. read Kilgore Trout, Kirk Vonnegut. Breakfast of Chance of Champions. Achilles! It's the Iliad! It's Homer! Read a book! It's my favorite book of all time. And the premise is that he's a science fiction writer whose, whose work would eventually change the world, but all he, and in life, all it was was just a bunch of shorts published in smut magazines. <laughs> so that's like, a, yeah, it's a, it's a pedigree of a lot of like important science fiction work. It's like, yeah, is there, is there a dick next to your, the, the text? Is there a picture of a dick next to the text? <laughs> and it must be good. Is there unkempt bush <laughs> next to this this really interesting allegory on the human condition? Uh, I was reading like some criticism in this episode. It's like the idea of making it the devil uh, is the cause. And I guess that's the problem with like religion, the argument of religion anyway, to like to take it away from like like humanity's responsibility and make it this thing outside of it. Oh, it's that thing that really did it. Yeah. I mean, that's, and I saw that like as a criticism. I was reading like somebody's review of the episode, but I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, that's all religion. You could really make that argument. And I guess it's, it's more to illustrate a point right. necessarily and not to be taken at face value. Yeah. Face value can be really boring. Yeah. Too. You know, I've been thinking about specifically what you just mentioned, going back to Stephen King, he, he does similar things. And you know, I've been, we all have been in the Stephen King kick lately. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I've been thinking about that lately. It's just like you, Randall Flag. Yeah, it's like yeah, you the embodiment of evil. Right. right. It's how you use the character, what you do with them to make it interesting. Yeah. Again, I the episode was fun. It just felt so different. It felt mm-hmm. like almost like a different show. Yeah, because it was so this, big. Yeah, yeah, it was very big, and it was very. It's like we haven't seen. It's been very restrained visually the last like bunch of episodes. I'm trying to think of the most un, the the most unrestrained visually like one I could think of from last season is perchance the dream is Beaumont's other one because that was very mm-hmm. visually chaotic like this one yeah. was I, I mean I, it was funny I, they went for it like they said let's make a gothic horror film like we have John Carradine who was Dracula and I guess they were fans it's just like let's put him in a gothic horror film like the yeah. ones we grew up watching him in so I guess it was could have been, it might have been fan service for them you feel that universal horror feel all over this episode I guess that was their tribute to that mm-hmm. and the you know I try not to do this too much, but the guy spent he spent a lot of time tracking this person down. I mean, a oh, lot yeah. of time. Oh, Several yeah. wars. Yeah. <laughs> and he just gave it to the poor, sweet, meek maid. They said, that, don't open that door. <laughs> and then the, right away, within three seconds. Immediately open it. <laughs> well, the episode, the point, I guess they're trying to make the point, you know, it, it, like part of like the devil's way is that devil plays against people's trust mistrust of one another well general when people are i don't know very intense wide-eyed and belligerent when they're speaking i generally think that they're a threat and or not of their right mind so maybe the lesson should be don't antagonize the crazy (laughs) sit down have a drink let me tell you this story i know this seems weird (laughs) this is gonna sound so crazy like sit down for a second honey i gotta tell you this (laughs) Right. Or like, it's like, that's what he should have learned from Brother Jerome. Like, I was really off put by this man's incredibly intense, wild eyed demeanor. He's just like, so he goes to the maid with the exact demeanor. Right. And I guess it's just like, yeah. I mean, but that's an interesting thing. It's like, maybe they are crazy. This, this, it's kind of like this thing, this chase to bring the devil, like to heal. 
has made them crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something there. Maybe there's something there. It's just like, yeah, uh, I got him. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> and just for reference, uh, I'm going to go the, out for some milk. Don't touch the devil. The time frame is um, it, the episode starts in 1960 and then flashes back to 1924. So he was chasing mm. the devil for 36 years. And then they let the maid just let him out of the closet. <laughs> you have to have the staff of truth made. Right, yeah, the you tiny one made, the little. A little one, because he knew, like, he's like, oh, I'm getting new closet space. I should measure out for the staff of truth. <laughs> How much staff of truth do I need for this closet? <laughs> Jerome, I'm going to send you pictures. Jerome, 36 years later, Jerome was a little long in the tooth. In the, the, the yeah, first, I'm going to uh... see Jerome. He was still alive, that crazy old man. <laughs> 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 He was just, ah. Can't get rid of the crazies though. No, they they have longevity. Yeah, crazy keeps. They hang on. <laughs> <laughs> we have some family members that are still going long before, long after. There's like a couple hobos that like a crate that my neighborhood. I'm like, how is this guy still alive? Hobo. <laughs> it's just like they keep because right, he's he's actually. I'm not just saying he's crazy because he's a hobo. He's actually crazy. Like he runs around like throwing shit around. Is this crazy hobo and he's still going. They're like, wow, this guy's not going to die. Like I have like, I have to go get like prescriptions and stuff. And this guy's just just running around, like just running out in life raw. No, <laughs> no house, no, 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 no prescription medication, no house. Just, just running around. This guy's going to live forever. Maybe that's the secret. Yeah. Just run around like a vehicle. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> For your health. Kluge. <laughs> Now, Mr. Serling. Next week, you'll see these bandages unwrapped, and you'll get a good close look at the face beneath them. It's an excursion into the odd and into the very, very different. Our play is called The Eye of the Beholder, and it comes recommended. I hope we'll see you next week on The Twilight Zone. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>